Hey, welcome to the show. This is Hip Hop Numbers. Proudly independent, as always, as is my guest this week. So, another story about the beauty of independence. Australia. It's not too bad, man. It's not too bad. We're doing all right with uh, with COVID over here. Uh, we're, we're transitioning into winter, which isn't super pleasant, but you know that's how it goes. How about uh, how about Malawi? How is it? How is it over there? It's the same thing, man. I think the biggest fear right now is this Indian strain, man. It's like, yeah. yo, we're not ready for that, and especially being a third world country, crazy, man. Because the health system is already messed up. Yeah. And Are you crazy. Uh, you got the vaccine over there, or is that not not a thing at the moment? Oh, uh, we have it. We have it. A couple of people have been vaccinated. Uh, personally, I haven't. I want to wait it out because yeah. I had COVID just uh, in January, so they said I have to wait six months. Oh wow! Before I get a vaccination, because I said. You, your body developed. So, yeah, the, the antibodies, right? Yeah. So that's been the case with me. What was uh, what was COVID like? How 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 did you handle it? Man, it was crazy because for me, it was actually worse shortly after it cleared because yeah. I never had all the symptoms the whole time I had it. Then I got better, and after I got better, that's when the symptoms kicked in. Like wow. getting breathless, couldn't breathe, and it didn't make sense. And I had to get the test, and they said, "Man, you just recovered." And I was like, "But I can't breathe." And they're right. like, "Yeah, it's gonna get away." And that was crazy, man. How crazy. how old? How old are you? I'm 26. I'm turning 27 in oh. June. So it affected you even though you're, because everyone's like, you know, it doesn't affect the, the people who are young, but I hear a lot of people who got it, they say the breathing is really quite scary to, to have. It is. It is. It's messed up. It's really messed up. You know, there were some days I thought, this is it, man. I'm kicking the wow. bucket. Wow. But yeah, somehow God was faithful, made it through. Yeah. That's great, yeah. man. I'm glad that you got through that. I'm really sorry you went through that. That's uh, that's really confronting to hear about. Yeah, I mean, for me, to this day, I, I think I still get scared. You know, sometimes you feel some type of way in your body and you're just scared. You're just like, yeah. yo, I hope it's not that again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a bit traumatic. It is, it is, man. Oh, well, you're here now, man. I'm, I'm really thankful for you jumping on. Uh, the time difference is a little bit awkward. I apologize about that. But um, I'm, I'm really interested to know about your background. And, you know, you've been interested in poetry and you've been creating since a very young age. What was it like growing yeah. up in Malawi and, and exploring your love of hip hop over there? That was crazy, man. Because <clears throat> while, while I was growing up, hip hop was not fully accepted. And, and the country and as a culture. So that you had very few individuals that really just fucked with hip hop, you know? Mm. And the community at large would look at you like, you, you, you just strain. What's this that you're really about, you know? But my biggest influence was my uncle. Cause you know, I grew up with my uncle staying with us, with our family. And he was like, so hip hop. So back then, before CDs and everything, we had cassettes. Yeah. So he had a box full, you know, he had Gangster, Wu-Tang, DMX, and all of that, you know? And he mm. would collect. He was moving to the United States. And I was young, so he really just couldn't leave me his clothes and everything like you, people usually do in Africa when they're leaving, going to, you know, America and all of that. So he, he gave me that box and he's like, yo, this is all I got. <laughs> this is what I'm going to give you, you know? Yeah. So we had one radio in the house and had to wait until everybody goes to bed and I'd sit there and play this, in this cassettes and, you know, at a low volume and you're listening to the rap and 
what was so interesting to me is everybody had a story to tell. You know, people talked about the struggles, the life, everything, the feeling, the emotion. Yeah. And I'm growing up in this place where you can't really fully express yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you just have to abide to certain rules, be a certain kind of person, and you consider it good. And I wasn't that. I was that kid that parents told the kids to stay away from, you know? So I was in that rebel state where I, I was I was just messed up, going through a whole lot of things in the family and everything. And because I was listening to this music, it felt like the only escape. Because I, I felt like there's nobody I could sit down and talk to because in Africa, that wasn't a thing. You know, like if you're going through stuff, you just deal with it. <laughs> like you got nobody to talk to. So I started writing down what I felt, you know, like a piece of paper, just write down what I felt. And I realized I was rhyming, you know, every line had, you know, that similar tone at the end. And it became a thing. And I kept on doing it and I kept on doing it. I realized, you know, I think I'm being influenced heavily by this music I listen to because now I want to write that, you know, now I want to rap that. I practice on my own just everything that I wrote. And my name is Michael. And this kid moved on to the block and his name was Michael too. And he was also an outcast, just like me. And he came through to the house the other day and we became friends. I don't know where he used to get instrumentals, but he came with a whole bunch of Dr. Dre instrumentals. Wow. And he'll play them at the house, you know? And every time he'll play them, because he'd only come through on Sundays, because that was the only time we were allowed to, like, chill, because the weekdays was school, and Saturdays was help out in the home, and Sundays, you had time to yourself. So you were allowed to have a friend visit on Sunday. So he'll come through on Sundays and would play the cassettes with you know, instrumentals, and I tried to rap with all the stuff that I was writing, you know, and that's, that was just, that was just it, that, that's how, that's how how it took off, like, I just started writing from then, I never stopped, just kept evolving, kept on trying to improve, kept on trying to tell my story better, for me, my approach was never really about storytelling, but rather telling you how I felt, Mm. so I really wanted to take my listeners into my emotions so they feel exactly how I feel, like stand in my shoes. And I think you understand why I act the way I act, you know? Like hip hop is like yeah. that, eh? Like it's people, people don't really understand that it's always been about emotion. It's always been about how you felt in these situations. You know, it's emotional now, but it, it always has been. That comes through, man. That comes through in your music so much. A couple years down, now is that kid that, you're, you're hip-hop, and you kind of want to be a bad kid, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I went to school. I get in a lot of fights because I always had an attitude, and I got exposed nine times. And it got to a point where my parents were like, you know what, maybe you don't want to do school. And I was like, ah, now nah, I'm going to change my ways and everything. And I met this dude who started talking to me about, you know, Jesus and everything. And at first I was like, man, you corny. Like, Ain't nobody want to hear about that, you know? He he was just very accepting to me, you know? And I got in trouble. Now, this is a story that I never told a lot of people. A lot of people in my life don't know it. Only the people that are very, very close know it. But one time, I got in a fight. And I got arrested. Even my parents didn't know I was arrested. But this homie came to bailed me out. And how things are done here, they don't just quite book you in the system you get it's not like you get arrested and you immediately booked in the system sometimes people can talk to the cops and they let you go and nobody's gonna know what went down you get what i mean Hmm. so he talked to them and the condition was every day after school i have to stop by his house and do my homework at his house because he bailed me out (laughs) you know and it's yeah. like, I'm not going to tell your parents, but this is what you're going to do. Now, I was scared. I was like, yeah, if he tells my parents, I'm dead, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So every day after school, I'd go to his place. And because of that, 
I ended up learning a lot, you know, like it built up my spiritual side, you know, because he, I find them doing Bible studies and all of that. And that's what influenced the spiritual side to my rap. Before that, spiritual side to rap was just kill a priest, you know, because that was the closest, you know. Yeah. But then I met this guy and he introduced me to Braille and Lecrae and them and all of that. And I'm listening to Cross Movement, Shaolin. And, you know, when you're influenced by something, you really want to go in that direction, you know? And I went in that direction for a bit until I got to the point where I was like, nah, I got to find myself and who I am. I decided to go back to the roots, just rap about how I feel and who I am as a person. I'm not trying to paint a picture of being perfect. And some people call it Christian rap and everything. So there's that section of spiritual music that I put out at some point. And sometimes I, it still comes out in my music because I'm going to tell you how I feel about my faith and everything. Mm. So that influenced that side of my rap. And just growing up in a third world country, man, talk about the politics. It's really fucked up, you know? Mm. And that also comes out a lot in my music and how I feel about the system and everything. Sadly, uh, I feel like on the political front, I've not been as vocal. I grew up in that culture where you can't really say exactly how you feel without being judged. Mm. So my music ended up having so much layers to it because you ended up disguising so much messages in something that just sounds simple, you know, until you listen to it back and forth and you start realizing like, yo, dad, he's talking about a lot of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that also, like, it changed my direction as an artist. And it also influenced the way I write and how I approach music. Because I was, I've always been in that space where you can't, you know, like how NWA just went straight up, fuck the police. You do that here, you're not going to, you, your song is not going to make radio. Like, you know, that's the kind of environment. So I would just bring it in layers. For those that are going to get it, they're going to get it. If they don't get it, they don't get it. So as an artist, those have been my influences and my approach to music and how my music ends up being very conscious and at the same time very emotional and spiritual at the same time it's also very confrontational because of that background of where i'm coming from wow man that's an amazing story like that genuinely is and it certainly does come out in the music you know uh an example would be like sketchy notepad has a lot more chilled relaxed beats but at the same time, the lyrics are really, really deep and impactful. You know, overdose, tramadol, uh, and it's a lot of, there's so much emotion, you know, there's so much emotion, like, you know, overdose, it's in my veins. When I struggle, it rains, pumping through my heart, I let you riddle the pain. And I think, you know, I did read an interview where you said that people call you gospel, but you see it more as just a spiritual kind of music. And I think Lost Tapes is a lot more spirituality on that than, say, Sketchy Notepad, even Third Letter. Like, what was a what was the feeling around that? Like, was this a were you in a different space when you created Lost Tapes, or are these just demos, or like, where where did that project come from? So the Lost Tape, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because Lost Tapes, there that's music from different periods of time in my life. Hmm. So it's from the earlier times when I was rapping as a kid back in, in secondary school. And there are also some songs there where, that I made when I was in college. And there's some songs there that I made just recently, you know, after recovering from COVID and everything, just mm-hmm. going through all of that, you know, where you, it, it kind of awakens you in a sense, you know, when you have a near-death experience, you know, you want to reflect on all of that. And that's why you hear some of the songs and they they sound more of praising God because I'm coming from this situation where I'm like, damn, man, I could have died, you know? And yeah. you're just thankful. 
you're thankful to be alive. And that's what comes out. And you, you, you're there and you profess it. You say, you know what, God, I'm thankful. And some of that, you, in some of the songs in Lost Tapes, like the very first song, you get to hear a heart that's broken. You know, at some point I struggled with depression. And while going through all of that, I wrote that verse. That's why it's not, it's, it sounded like a dem, like a demo. The first song sounded like a demo because that was all I could have said at that particular point in time. And I never wanted to finish it with, you know, just put inappropriate stuff in it just to make the song sound nice and end it there. So it was something I recorded and it was just sitting there. And when I came up with the ideas, you know, just compile everything from these different parts of my life and just put it together and just show my journey as a person spiritually. That's what I came up with. And that's why I didn't want to filter out anything or put in some stuff that's unnecessary just to make it sound good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I ended up just putting it, bringing it as it was. So you find some, some freestyles with just one verse and it's just it because there were some of those days where, you know, you wake up and these thoughts are running through your head and you got to be, and you know, you plug in the mic and you rap, uh, you just keep it. It's not like you're intending to do a tape or you're intending to put it in a project, but that's how you felt. That's what you're going through. And that's mm -hmm. what makes that tape very spiritual because when you listen to it, it just moves you in different spaces, you know, because there's just a lot of topics that I talk about, a lot of feelings that I share, a lot of emotion. And yeah, that was the story behind the lost tape. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I I got from it was like you were going through all these different stages and all these different emotions, but you you felt confident underneath it in your spirituality. Yeah. And I think a lot of music in this realm calms me a lot, like it calms me down because I feel that confidence and that understanding and that from from the artist where they feel. I guess the confidence in their faith and that, that comes through in the music and it just makes you think, okay, like I'm, I'm not in like a horrible situation. Like there are other forces out there that are looking out for me. Does, is that something that you were intentionally doing or is that just something that comes out in your music? That was exactly. And that's always been, I think that's the grand message when it comes to who I am as an artist, because everything I'm sharing I'm sharing and I'm saying deep down, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being just like you. I feel all of these things, but that's one thing about me. And I'm confident in my faith that it's going to end out good. You know, no matter how bad it gets, it's going to be good. And I'm just sharing everything. But I want you to know when you listen to me that at the end of the day, it's going to be good. It could be bad. It could be worse but it's going to be good, you know? And that's, that's the essence of me as an artist. And I love the fact that you say that comes out of my music because I feel like that means I've done a good job communicating what I truly feel. And that's, I think that's the greatest thing every artist wants to hear, you know, making sure that what they want to communicate is what is being receive i think for me that's better than selling multi-platinum albums because as long as i get that you get it it makes me feel complete well that's the thing especially with sketchy notepad which is incredibly emotional and i think the thing that surprised me going back through your music because you know you've sent me a couple of songs over the last like year and i've listened to them and i listened to lost tapes but then going back over something like sketchy notepad which is you know, you're really going in lyrically on these songs. Like you're an incredible rapper as well. And it's like, it's almost like not only are you giving us the emotion, but you're a technician as well. You're really trying to give us some technical rhymes and, and rap in a, a really high technical space. Is this something you had to work at or is it just come naturally to you? Actually, that one came naturally because wow. when I was working the sketchy notepad, sketchy notepad was out of that space of just pure honesty. And 
That's why the beats were quite laid back because I was really just trying not to hide behind the beat. I was just trying to bring me as the artist. Mm. Like I wanted you to hear what I have to say, not hide behind the beat, you know, because these days we got so many kinds of beat. You know, you've got drill, you've got trap, you've got all of that. And they easily take away from the artist because the beat itself can carry so much emotion, you know? And when the beat overpowers the artist, sometimes the message gets lost, lost in translation. And that's why the beats on that tape were not very complex. They took more of a chill approach. Like just, this is the MC coming to you to actually tell you this is what's on my heart, you know? So that was the approach with the sketchy notepad. And that's why I called it that, because those were the sketches of my thoughts, you know, everything that I feel about, you know, um, in it, I got in that in sketchy notepad, a track like Overdose, mm-hmm. where I shared about my struggle with depression. And at the same time, I brought it in the perspective of addiction, mm-hmm. you know? And the reason why I brought it with that approach was because a lot of people feel like, you know, when you talk about depression and everything, they feel like it's a choice or they feel like it's something that you can easily control. And what I was trying to bring to the table is it's very similar to addiction. Sometimes you're just in it and you just can't control it. It's just, it just overwhelms your life. You know, and that's 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 your battle. That's what you're struggling with. If you know people that are addicted to substance or something, you find out some of them got the heart that they want out, but they just don't know how. You know what I mean? Like, if you ask them, they wouldn't want to be that person. But somehow, they slip and fall mm-hmm. just in that space. And that's what I was trying to bring through to say, because where I'm at in this country, when you talk about depression and issues like that, Africans view depression as a strange concept. They're like, nah, man, that's not for Africans. And you're like, what you talking about? I feel depressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not what you what you think. But when you bring a concept like addiction, they understand that because you've got a country full of alcohol. You know, you've got kids, you know, are injecting things in their veins, you know, taking lean and all of that. So these are struggles they understand, but they don't want to understand the concept of depression. So that's why I took that approach and brought it in that kind of spectrum. So I talk about depression in a way you would understand addiction. That's amazing, man. Cause like as someone who has suffered from both uh, and suffers still from both, the thing about it is like, I don't know how much experience you have with addiction, but when you're in that space, when you get in that headspace, you're right. It's such a slippery slope and like nothing's going to stop you from doing what you're going to do. You're either drinking, you're taking drugs. Like it's just, you get in this, it snowballs and it keeps going and it keeps going. And it's the same with depression. It's like, you can't pull yourself out of it. You don't want to be in it, but it just feels like every day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm not getting out of bed today. Or I just, I'm not going to feel anything today. You, it, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. It's like the same with addiction. It's like you wake up in the morning, you know, you're going to use that day. It's just foregone. It's just going to happen. And I see that so much in this song, uh, the way that you talk about it. That's why it connected with me so much. It, it's just, it's a perfect description of addiction and the way that you've linked that to depression is actually really powerful. So you have something like that. And you know, I had that song Tramadol. I've had a little bit of experience with addiction with painkiller because there was a point in my life where I just wanted to feel numb. You know, I didn't want to feel. And Tramadol has been that kind of drug where, you know, you take it, and if you take enough of it, you're going to zone out. You know, you're just going to sleep, and that's it. You wake up in the morning, you're good. It's like a 
fresh day and you just want to feel like that every single time, you know? So you end up using every single day. And that's how I came up with that skit of Tramadol because I was trying to link the pain that we feel in this country, living in this country, with just trying to numb it, you know? We've gotten to that point where most of us are just living to numb the pain. You know what? Sometimes it just take your trauma and just, I don't want to feel it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel everything that I go through every single day. And so that was the approach, the sketchy notepad, where you just, you just go all in and you just bring in your thoughts and you just saying, man, this is how I feel about these issues. This is how I feel about this. But it's the same issue that you, you can't really just come out straight forward and say, this is what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. in the society that I come from, you're not going to be accepted. In fact, you're going to be persecuted. So you don't want to go early. You want to keep doing what you're doing. So you become creative and crafty in bringing out your message and hoping that somebody somewhere will actually listen closely enough to actually unpack and say, yo, hold up, hold up. He said this, he said that. I think this is what he's talking about. Yeah, so Sketchy Notepad is, I think, a very personal project because it brings out my struggles and what my mind was going through at that particular point in time. And that that project, I wrote that in like two weeks. It took a month to get everything in the same space just done, you know, like released. Because I was actually working on the third letter when I was going through all of that and it didn't fit with the album. So I'd record for the album and I'd just get my time out just to record everything that I was going through, everything that I was thinking. That's why you notice there's no feature in Sketchy Notepad. Yeah. So it's literally my mind. And when I left some of the beats with no hooks, I wanted people to listen to the message and, you know, let the beat play and let you think through it, you know? I didn't want the hook to come in to disturb that. Because mm. sometimes, you know, you hear a deep message, but the hook comes in, you just lost in the hook because the hook is catchy. Yeah, and I didn't want that. I wanted you to get it. That's why I overdosed. I think... It ended up being very strong, you know, because right after each verse, it's just the beat. And you're left thinking about those words like, damn, I actually relate with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that that, that was the approach on Sketchy Notepad. I, I read that like two thirds of Malawi is, is Christian. What's the... Yeah. What's the hip hop scene like there? Is it because you know it's a very young population? I think the median age is like 18, which is one of the lowest, 17, one of the lowest in the world. And obviously, yeah. hip hop is such a young person's genre uh, and yeah. culture. But at the same time, I've noticed that uh, Malawian hip hop is not that pervasive. It's it's really only been the last like five, ten years that it's it started to blow up. Has it been like really challenging being a hip hop artist? in Malawi trying to find places to record, people to collab with? Like, is it starting to, to grow now into an actual industry? It is starting to grow, but that, that has always been a challenge because when you talk about recording, I've got so many crazy stories, man. I've walked like close to 20Ks, wow. 20 kilometers just to go and record to some spot because that's the only nigga that's going to allow me to record. And that was the kind of environment it got to a point where I'd save up money and it took me close to like 10 years just to save up, just to buy recording equipment. And that's the recording equipment I use to this day because I had to learn. So what ended up happening with the industry now here, you have a lot of multi-talented artists. So it's either they can rap and make beats or the rap and produce like made like mixing, mastering, and everything. So with that coming up, the industry started to grow because now people had control with technology and everything coming in. 
it started becoming a force that you just can't stop, you know, because now all of a sudden people are going to get their own space to have their own mic, they're going to record, and all of a sudden they're recording all of the niggas in the hood. So everybody got a song. Now everybody's going to the radio stations. Everybody wants to be played. Now you got radio shows that want to represent those neighborhoods because everybody from the hood got a song. It starts to blow up. You know, it starts to blow up. Now, people from different neighborhoods also want to record. They also have music on the radio. That's how the hip-hop scene just evolved to this point where it started becoming a force. That's not well established because with that setup, the problem is y'all not making money. Everybody's just coming to one spot. They save up a little bit. So it's this guy who's recording you that's making money. But everybody else is not making money because nobody's buying. Everybody just want to be heard on the radio. And they only started paying royalties like five or seven years ago. So nobody was being paid. (laughs) You know what I mean? The whole time they're playing all of this music, nobody's being paid. So the industry in terms of money and value didn't grow. But in terms of talent, it was growing and it was expanding. So it was only artists like me who decided to step out and say, you know what? Fuck the local scene. I'm going to be everywhere. So you put your music on streaming platforms. I was the first Malawian artist to have a a digital release. Before me, nobody had actually had a digital release. And I had to talk to a nigga in Zambia. That's another country to put it up for me, (laughs) you know, because that's how hard it was. And I knew that he knew how to do it. So I talked to him and I was like, yo, I know you love my music and everything, but I know there's these platforms like Spotify and everything. I want my shit on that, you know? And he was like, I'm gonna help you. <laughs> That's the first time I ever had my music on. Wow. And a lot of niggas was fascinated. Like, yo, how did you do that? How did you do that? And this is before people knew about um, District Kid, tune core and all of this yeah so this guy would actually text me and teach me like you gotta log into this site you gotta do this you gotta do that and that's when the bank started opening up to online payments and everything because before that it was regulated so you couldn't even make an online payment so once they started opening up everybody started wanting to put the music online so that has also changed the industry because that's where people are going. It's just recently, I think from last year, where people started throwing the music online. And now we've got a whole, just a whole wide range of listeners. I mean, I have you, <laughs> you, you yeah. listen to my stuff now. Like, oh, okay, so there's this guy in my life. So that's, I think that has been the challenge. And that's what the industry has been like in terms of growth. But in terms of money, nah, the money ain't there yet. It's not there. Is there, is there anyone in Malawi who's making hip-hop and, and actually being able to live off it? Because, I mean, that that's one of the reasons I want to do this this interview series anyway is talk to people who make music despite the fact that they're not making money off it and how they juggle their personal life and their, their work life with their music. But is it something, is it actually ever going to be possible, do you think, for you to, to turn this into a career? Or is this just going to be a passion for you for the rest of your life? Sometimes I feel like it's going to be a passion for the rest of my life because I feel like I found myself in a unique position where without wanting it, I'm one of the forerunners of this new age. It's going to end up being that whole big daddy king shit. You know, there's people who run before the culture and bring it, the culture gets accepted, and then it's Drake that's making the money. You know what I mean? It's that kind of that situation. So I feel like I'm gonna end up being that guy that's gonna lay the foundation and teach all these kids behind me the moves to say, you wanna make money, this is how you're gonna do it. But there's probably gonna be some Malayan kid, maybe when I'm grown old and everything, that's just gonna blow up and just make serious money. And I'll be like, oh wow, they're actually doing it now. You know, I'm allow you the secret is don't lose your side hustle because most of the artists were only making money through shows 
but it wasn't significant money enough to say maybe you could survive off it with a family. For most niggas, it was just enough money for them, you know, for them to go back to the studio and record more music and maybe yeah. a little money just to floss a bit because, you know, you want to show that you're making money. You yeah. know? That has been the situation. Of course, there have been some niggas that come from rich families and they're rolling like they're making like a lot of money off the music, but we all know they ain't making that money because it's all about the narrative, you know? So they create the narrative that they're making all that money from the music when really they're just coming from a family that's good, you know? So yeah. when they floss that money, they get a lot of people to listen. But the problem is a lot of the people that are listening are people from here who ain't paying. <laughs> so they just listening because they're like, yo, we heard he makes money, so we want to hear what the people who got money actually make. So that becomes the scenario, and it's, it's quite funny because when you're the artist, then you realize, oh, man, I, I'm not going to quit my job. <laughs> I, I love rap, but I'm not going to quit my job and expect that this is going to pay my bills. So you stay hustling, you stay rapping, and it's the passion that just carries you. I want to talk about that motivation in a second, but I also want to speak on the the idea because this is something I've come up with a lot with with talking to the to these artists. The idea of flossing when you don't have it, you know, it's such a uh, as a consumer, you you kind of removed from it. You don't really understand the process. You see these artists flying private and, and driving around in Lamborghinis, and you're like, oh yeah, they're getting it. But I've spoken to so many people in the industry who are like, no, 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 they haven't got it like that. Like a lot of these artists don't have it like that. And it's like they're selling the dream, but they're not living yeah. the dream. And it's such a weird thing because hip hop is built off authenticity. So it always yeah. confuses me that that dichotomy of, yeah, yeah, we're making all this money and, and here, look at all the cars we're buying. But at the same time, we're not actually making all this money or we've made it elsewhere and like, what do you see that? How do you see that? Like, does, do you think that impacts upon the authenticity of artists when they do that? Yeah, man, I don't think you will. I mean, if I'm getting it, I'm going to say it in the song, I'm getting it. That's why you're going to hear me also say, yo, but I'm broke. And yeah. people are going to be like, but you said you're getting it. And I'm be like, yeah, the time I was recording that song, I was getting it. For artists that are living this social media life where you you don't want to be real because most of them are not going to tell you they're broke. They're just going to tell you I'm getting it. In fact, they're going to be broke and they're going to talk about, like they're going to do a song talking about how they're making it so that you buy it and then they actually make it. I don't fuck with that kind of shit, you know? And that's been my struggle recently, you know, because I've been trying to get with these guys that are doing videos so that my music gets videos and all of that. And every time you sit with creative directors and they're talking all this shit, and I'm like, but that's not me, man. That's, that's not me. That's not how I'm living. Like, I want to do a music video, and I'm going to show you how I'm living. This is me as the artist, and I want you to connect to that. So for me as a person, I don't fuck with that, man. I mean, if you're getting it and you're saying you're getting it, I respect it. But if you're not getting it, and you come off as if you're getting it, I'm not gonna roll with you, man. I'm not gonna listen to your music because at the end of the day, you're selling me dreams. And I wanna listen to the real shit because that's the stuff that I'm gonna relate to. And some at some point in my life, it'll probably affect a certain decision I'm gonna make. You know, like the locks, they got, those guys talk about some real shit, man. Like, you listen to the music and sometimes, you know, you're in a situation and you remember a certain rhyme and you're like, yeah, nah, man, I'm not trying to go to jail. I'm going to be smart about this. So fuck it, I'm out, you know? That's the kind of music that I roll with. And I believe that's what true hip hop is, you know, where you stand and you speak your truth. But I think the modern day industry is taking out that element of hip hop, because everybody want to be like Drake, everybody want to be like Lil Wayne, you know, they want to show that they got the bitches, they got the paper, but they ain't got no bitches, they ain't got no paper. You meet them in the hood and you're like, for real, nigga? This is how you roll, <laughs> you know? And you're like, I thought you had it good, and you realize, nah, I got it good, you don't, <laughs> you know? But 
the music is banging everywhere saying they got it good. So for me, I don't really consider that as hip hop. I usually tell my niggas, like, that's pop, man. That's the pop culture. That's what yeah. this niggas is all about, you know? Because if it's hip hop, you're gonna yeah. be you're gonna be honest. And like recently I had a song actually that's for the next album that I'm working on. And in it I said, you know, I'm a broke nigga, I ain't gotta shine. All I was saying in it was don't expect me to come out here flossing and everything because I'm broke. Yeah. I'm really just trying to get by. But that's the thing, right? Like it is a kind of a pop mentality and it's it's the social media mentality where you just put forth the best possible version of yourself, even if it's not real. And it's yeah. like, okay, this is for you all to consume, but you never know what's going on behind closed doors. You never know what's going on in the the true lives and hearts of these people. And I think it's quite confronting when you see that and then you listen to an artist and you're like, hang on a sec. Like, I don't know if this is, this is real or not. I've never heard anyone call it the pop effect before, but that seems pretty apt to me. That's what I call it. I always tell him that now nah, this this is not hip hop dude. This is a pop dude. For the popular culture, you know? I uh I noticed that you have only one music video on YouTube. I don't know if you have more elsewhere, but like Home and Not Here is the one and it's an amazing video. And I want to speak about like, you know, I said before, we talk about the motivations of you continuing, even though you're not making heaps of money off this or any money at times. Like it's hard for me to conceptualize to people how difficult it actually is and how expensive it actually is and how much time and effort it actually is to have a hip hop career or have a music career and have a normal career at the same time. And like, is it, is it just really, really difficult? Are you having to reinvest money into yourself all the time? Or have you got a setup at home that you can record in? Do you have to go to a studio? Like, what's the process for you actually recording music? And if you ever get to do it, doing visuals? I think the biggest challenge for me is doing visuals because I can't do that myself. So that's where I end up spending a lot of money. But when it comes to the recording process, like I told you, I had it took me 10 years to save up just to buy equipment yeah. to record. So I mastered the art of recording myself. Three quarters of the music you've heard, 99% active. I recorded myself. Probably a good 80% I mixed myself because that's the love. Because I ain't got the money to actually go to another nigga to say, yo, mix my shit. <laughs> you know, I ain't got the money to walk through the studio and say, I'm gonna pay you this to record this, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make an album. Trust me, because it's gonna be very expensive for me. So the best thing I did was just get enough money to enable me to do what I love, and at the same time, I'm constantly reinvesting in that because I have passion for it. You know, in a way, it's also my escape. It's like you're investing in, I don't know. Some mental health shit, you know, something just keeps you sane. So it works. So it's difficult in terms of survival because sometimes you got all these big ideas, you know, there's all these things you want to do. The all of these videos I want to shoot, but I ain't got the money for it. So you end up, you know, like the home and not there video. That took me two years to save up just to do that video. You know, and it's crazy. It's a great video, by the way. Like it's worth it, but still, that's a lot of lot of energy and 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 time. Yeah. So at the end of the day, people never really see that because you send them a link, they're just gonna ignore it. But we keep sending it because you know that's how much you invested it. So you're like, we're not gonna stop, man. We're not gonna stop. We're gonna keep sharing it until somebody sees. This effort, maybe someday, someday or somewhere, somebody's going to say, maybe it's worth it to invest in this artist dance. Maybe we could bring out that, you know, all of these ideas that we have and maybe the world could actually see it. But that's the thing that surprised me the most about, like a, a few years ago, Tidal, it might have been four or five years ago, Tidal were, you know, sending people to Nigeria to, to find the next Nigerian artist. Like, I'm really surprised that African music hasn't hit America in the way that I thought it would because it's just better. Like I'm just going to say like Afrobeat music is incredible and, but it, but it aligns with the kind of popular music in, in America right now in, in North America, at least. 
So I was, I'm just surprised that Africa hasn't become bigger in, in America yet. Like, do you, I wonder why that is. Do you have any, like, concept of why that might be? I think the biggest thing is because at the end of the day, you, the Americans are the Americans, and they're going to embrace their culture, and they're going to embrace their people. As much as that might sound good, it's going to be good to, like, you know, a certain degree, but they're not going to push above that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, they're going to support your music, buy your music, but it's still going to be the American artist that's going to be bigger. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, what's uh, what's collaborating like at the moment? Because like you've got a lot of collaborators on some of these projects. Like uh, the third letter's probably got the most. There are so many artists on here. Is it? Are you like doing it electronically? Are you hanging out with these people in person? Like, how do you find them, and how are you managing to actually collaborate with them? Most of those are artists that I actually know personally. I felt are incredible artists that some of them have never had the platform and some of them are big artists here and we just have mutual respect i reached out and said yo i'm i'm working on this i got this song you want to jump on it you know and it's been some of those features were like you know electronic in, in, in the sense that i record in my spot and i'd send the person like yo this is what i got this is what i'm working on you want to put something to it and they'll yeah. put something to it and they'll send it back and i'd work on everything like the engineering and mix it up and we end up having a song but the collaboration was really just trying to bring out the ideas that i had the third letter is much more i don't know how to put it like much more listener friendly you know it's, it's, it's a more much contemporary more if it feels more yeah, like of yeah. the time it feels more 2020 2021 like there's a lot of trap beats there's a lot of harder instrumentals on here exactly exactly it was trying to now be in the time like this is the time that i'm in because as an artist i also listen to the criticisms you know because people tell you yeah we feel everything you're saying but you're not you're not with the times you know all of that so you're also trying to show that diversity as an artist to say this is also who i could be as an artist it's not that i'm just stuck up on this part but as an artist this is also who i could be and this is who i am like you're showing it in your way yeah you're not really getting with the times but you're being in the time yeah yeah I mean, there's no, there's no time that I've listened to a song of yours and been like, oh, yeah, this isn't see scripture. You know, like it's just always <laughs> underpinned by your sound and it's always got your content. Like you have a really strong concept of content. And I think that means you can do anything. I mean, I think it means you can do any kind of music. You could do any kind of beat. You could hop on anything. Some of these instrumentals on here are pretty crazy. Like there's some really modern stuff on here, uh, you know, uh, encounters i feel like could be on a mob deep album power moves sounds like you know should have been on wash the throne and like what with regards to production like where are you getting these beats from are you creating them yourself or are these people you have connections with one of the guys that makes most of my beat who i consider is one of the most talented producers there's a guy i i call him my big brother but he's a family friend i grew up around him and he's always been into this beats and graphic design. And when he knew I could rap, every now and then he's there throwing me beats. You know, he's like, yo, I made this. I was thinking about you. And it keeps the fire burning, keeps the motivation because, you know, it's like, oh, you listen to this crazy beat and you're like, yeah, I'm going to rap to that. I'm, I'm going to rap to that. And some of those beats were just people that I linked up with. And they're like, yo, I love the music you created. I want to work with you. This is what I got. And you listen to it and you're like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, and you, you get down and you just work together. In terms of making beats, I've never made beats. I tried, but <laughs> it just wasn't my thing. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't yeah, my I thing. Know. So yeah. I stuck to recording and mixing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try and grow in those areas. Yeah, I, I feel that I can't I can't make beats either. I'm not musical. So I totally understand that. Um, I want to just talk quickly about your faith and how you see it manifesting in hip-hop in general. Like, you know, obviously Kanye dropped Jesus is King. And I don't know how 
Christians actually feel about that album. I have no idea, but like you've got people like Lecrae, you've got Rod Wave. How do you see uh, faith in Christianity and, and gospel music and mainstream hip hop? And, and do you think it's in a good place or do you think it's in a, is it a confusing place right now? Uh, first of all, I don't believe in anything termed gospel music. Okay. I don't believe that's a real thing because believe that genre should be hip hop, R&B and that. You get because yep. the moment you start saying gospel music and you say I'm a gospel musician, for me, automatically, you're not real. You get because there's nobody out there that's perfect. I want to yeah. connect to you as a person. So you're going to come off and say, I don't cuss. I don't do that. I'm, I'm going to look at you as corny, you know, because I'm like, sometimes I feel really fucked up and I'm a cuss. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's just who I am as a person. Sometimes I'm going to see a shorty and I'm going to be like, damn, I want that. You get what I mean? Yeah. That's being real. That's being real. And being real is not about being perfect. It's not about always having it figured out. That's where people get it wrong because everybody wants to come out figured out. That's why I think spiritual section of music ain't doing so well because mm-hmm. they're trying to be what they're not, you know? trying to come off as perfect and sound corny, trying to come off as if they got no wrongs by or saying, I used to do wrong, but I'm not wrong no more. So you got to be like me. But I always tell people that wanting to be something does not necessarily mean you're that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't make you that. I'm going to come off and I'm going to be real. And I'm going to tell you, this is how I feel. And I feel like cussing in your face. I'm going to cuss in your face. And if I feel like telling you, but I want to tell you, regardless of all of that, I love Jesus. I'm going to come and tell you that. I love Jesus. But you got no right to come to me and say, no, you don't love Jesus because you was cussing the other song. You get what I mean? I mean, that's the same thing. This is the same niggas who are saying, I love Jesus and all of that. The next thing you hear, that was cheating on their wife. And you're like, this is why it's a scandal because you was trying to be perfect. You know what I mean? But if you hear T.I. was cheating on his wife, you're just like, yeah, man, it happens. It happens. He got to get his shit together. You get what I mean? So you end up being in this space where people have more grace towards that person who's being honest and who's being real because they're not going to judge you. They're going to be like, yeah, we get it. People do that, but you got to get your shit together. So what matters to me is being honest and just being who you are and not trying to paint a picture. And I think that's the most difficult thing with faith because a lot of people are trying to take what they believe personally and pin it on you. And they're trying to take what they think should be the way of life and they're trying to pin it on you. And I don't think that's right. You know, I feel like if you have belief, you have belief. That's you. That's on you. That's what you believe. But it doesn't mean I can't be cool with you because you believe something else. You know what I mean? I got friends who believe they, there's no God. That's, that's what they believe. I'm not going to try and change their mind. But if my life is going to speak to them so much to say, but I think you're right. I think God is there. Then well and good. You get what I mean? So I think that's where spiritual music loses. It loses it right there. The moment people stop being real, stop being honest about humanity and who we truly are as a person, for me, they lose me right there. I think, you know, I think it ties back into what we were talking about with, with flossing when you don't have it. It's like to, to have the opinion that you have and to have the, the confidence you have, you have to accept yourself fully. And I think a lot of people aren't ready to accept themselves. They don't know how to accept themselves. They don't know themselves that well. Cause I think in modern society, a lot of the time we're not given the space to sit down and be aware and be self-aware and like really think about who we are and the things that we've done and, and our urges and our desires And so a lot of the time, I think with what I see with uh, people who gravitate towards faith, it's like they're looking at a person they want to be, you know, they're looking at like the perfect, what they see is the perfect version of a human, which is someone who follows the 10 commandments, which is someone who doesn't curse, who doesn't cheat, you know, who, who lives their life in a real 
altruistic and benevolent way. And I think that's why it comes off disingenuous because it's like, but that's not you. That's, that's like a, a story, you know, that's like a, that's a best case scenario. Or I don't even know. That's not really humanity. I mean, Jesus didn't die for that. Jesus died for humanity. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like he died yeah. for our sins and, and the things that he knew we were going to continue to do in the future, because that's just free will. That's just what humans do. And that's the thing, because a lot of people are trying to change a lot of people. And yeah. I keep saying that, like you, you're, you're a human being. You're not going to change another person. Yeah. Let God do that. You know, let him do that. Let him change the person. It's not your place. It's never been your business. Your business is simply to do the best that you can do, you know? And that's where people lose it. I don't know if you ever listened to a song that I have on online. It's called Tell It Different. And I actually addressed those issues where I talked about faith and I talked about the different religions that are there. And I really just set it out to say, you know, you have Christians saying Muslims are wrong. Buddhists are wrong. And I'm like, no, man, that's not your place. It's not your place. You believe in what you want to believe in. Let them believe in what they want to believe in. At the end of the day, everybody is trying to get right. Everybody's just trying to be a better person. Everybody's just trying to walk the right path. That's what matters. Be in that right path. But the moment you start, now what you believe in, right? You got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. Now you're playing God. Now you're trying to be God. Yeah, man. So that's, I feel like spiritual music is just, it's not even doing its intended purpose at this point. I feel like we're the ones who are doing the right spiritual music because at the end of the day, we have people that relate to us and they sit down and listen to that music and they tell you, yo, man, I feel like my life is changing because I listen to your shit and I know it's real and I get courage to say, I'm going to make it through the day. I feel like that's more ministry than a person coming to me and telling me, yo, never curse. Don't look at a girl ass. I mean, I'm going to look at that girl's ass if I want to. Even if I'm not going to say it in my music, but I'm still going to peep. I'm going to be in church and be like, damn, she got a fat ass. How's that being real? You know, just because I'm not saying don't mean that it's not in my heart. But this is the thing about your music. This is the thing that I like so much. And this is exactly what you're talking about. Because when people listen to this, it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, that's unattainable. Or it's not like, oh, I could never live my life in such a way. And it's the same with, again, it's the same with the money thing. It's like you listen to some hip hop, you're like, oh, I could never have that. So it's not relatable. But when you're talking about, especially on Sketchy Notepad, uh, where you're just really giving us some really harsh truths and some really difficult emotions to process. But you're also showing us that you still a man of faith. You're still a person of faith. You still have love for God. You still have love for Jesus. It's like, well, I could do that too, you know? And that's a different, that's a whole different kind of demographic that you're going to appeal to because if you're just preaching and saying like, this is the perfect way to live. I live this way. Everyone should. It's like, well, I don't really want to do that. You know, maybe I, maybe I don't feel comfortable with that. And if that's your only uh, exposure to religion, you'd be like, well, that's not really for me because I can't really be myself. But when we listen to your music, it's like you're so confident in your faith and you're so aware of it and you, it's, it comes through so much. But at the same time, you're always yourself. And as you say, you might curse, you might, you know, take drugs you might there's there are different things you might talk about that that don't align with the accepted religious uh like way of living but then it's it connects with so much more people because they're like hang on a sec i could still be faithful i could still have spirituality in my life but i don't have to just live the perfect life and i think that that's the perfect way to go about it yeah because you know at the end of the day that's what i'm communicating we're human everybody's human You've got your own inclinations. I have my own. But at the end of the day, what matters is believe in something and let it help you through life. And whether you believe in God, I don't know. I've met people that believe in so much, you know, so many different things. You know, people are going to come out to people and say, oh, because I believe in this and you're gay, I can't talk to you. And I'm like, yo, but it's not my business. That's them. That's them. They're going to be my friend. 
I might not be that. I don't agree with that, but that's them. As a person, I'm not going to be attracted to another man. I like the girls, but that's me. So it should not be my business that this guy is attracted to that guy. You know what I mean? Like, then I'm going to make everybody's business my business. (laughs) And how are you going to live life if everybody's business is your business? Then you're not going to know yourself. Because I think I already got a a hard time trying to figure out my own life. Yeah. So I spend my time trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to get by? How am I going to carry my own faith? One of my biggest inspirations is Tupac. And the reason being is I feel like Tupac was just so honest. He was, he was a sum of contradiction. Yeah. And that's exactly what humanity is. One time you stand on this side, and that's exactly what DMX was, you know? You know, he had that song, Damien. That's one of yeah. my favorite songs, you know? So because great. I relate to it. I yeah. relate to that song, Damien, because I've been in that situation where you're like, oh, yeah, this is my man. This is my nigga. And you realize that this person is just taking you downhill. You know, you realize that in this, in the name of friendship, you're doing a whole lot of shit that you're going to regret. And then you start asking yourself, but is you really my man or what's going on right here? You know what I mean? And that's exactly you know, what I had in Sketchy Notepad where I even had nobody knows. And I talked about that a lot, where I was talking about, you know, I thought these people are my friends. I thought being this kind of person is being the right way. But at the end of the day, nobody got it figured out. And I feel like nobody should come out. Nobody has the right to come out and act like they got it figured out. If you got it figured out, well and good. Live your life. Live that figured out life. Don't come up to me and try and say, this is how you should live. Because you don't know what I struggle with. You don't know the shit I go through. You know what I mean? That's it, man. Far out. Like, you just dropped about 10 gems in there. That was amazing. I think, um, you know, I think everything you just said is is super relevant and super powerful. You know, we live a life of contradictions. But at the same time, it's like, if you've got to figure it out for yourself, that's great. Have a blast, man. I'm really happy for you but I'm completely different to you. You know, humans are so different from each other. Even if you've grown up in the same household, you're both completely different people. So how could you think that the way that you live and the way that you're experiencing life is going to connect with hundreds of people, thousands of people, people on the other side of the world? Like it just, it doesn't compute, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And yeah, man, I think that that was, that was perfectly said, honestly. And that's exactly what goes down to the name scripture, you know, because that's exactly what I believe the Bible is. Because, you know, when you go down to the Bible and the scriptures, it's a lot of stories of broken niggas. It's not perfect niggas. You know, you got a nigga in there who had a thousand wives. You got a nigga in there that never, like God gave him a whole bunch of commandments. He never followed one, you know. And at the end of the day, they still say God was with him. And that's exactly why I said I took that name, see scripture. Like you might say I'm not spiritual. You might say I don't got faith and everything. But if you see scripture, my life is like the scripture because that's it. That, that's what I'm sharing. That's my life. That's how it sums up. It's like a whole Bible, man. <laughs> my life is like a whole Bible. I believe some people are going to sit down, listen to that music and learn from it and bringing out the best version of themselves and some people are going to disregard it and well and good it's not no judgment for that that's you you don't you don't rock with it it's all good you rock with it it's going to impact you the way it's going to impact you and thank god for that you know yeah man no you said it well you said it well i'd be happy to to leave it there if you're comfortable with that i think you just you just summed up a whole bunch of stuff in the end there i really want to write that down and and get that out to people because yeah, you were you were speaking some truth there. I'm 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 blessed to actually have this conversation, you know. I'm actually blessed that from a couple of years back when I followed your page and then the second page popped up. I've been there, like been supporting yeah, it. And one of the things that I love about your page is how you break down, you know, albums would come out. And you just break it down like, yo, this is what this album is talking about. This is 
You know, yeah. this is what this artist has done. And every time I see that, I'd be like, damn, okay, people working. You know, and you go back to your work and you're like trying to analyze it yourself. Like, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it became a very inspirational page for me. I remember sharing uh, it on a group with, with some friends because we got a hip hop group and there's a whole bunch of people in it. And I was like, yo, guys, check this out. Because if you actually working on music and everything, you should know there's some people out there that are going to break down your music like this. So you don't want to be, you know, on the bad scale. (laughs) (laughs) So it it became a motivation, you know, like, okay, I I, want to sit down and actually focus on what I'm doing. So I don't actually, you know, flop on this music. Yeah, yeah. Man, I appreciate yeah. that so much, man. Honestly, like we have been speaking for a while and and like you actually sent me a song the other day on the second account after the playlist had gone off. Like it's not even a question anymore. As soon as you send me a song, like, can you put this on the playlist? I'm like, yeah, man, it's on the it's on the playlist. If you got music coming out, it's on the damn playlist. Like you are dropping just constantly good music. I'm really, I feel really lucky to have this conversation with you because Oh man, like I, I hope that we can get this out to some people and, and show some people of the the quality that you've been dropping because it's incredible. Thanks a lot. That's encouraging, man. That's that's very encouraging. As an artist, I think that keeps you moving because you're like, oh, okay, we got people that are listening. And I've seriously had a lot of plays every time you put it on the playlist, I'm and glad. I'm looking at the stats to just go off the roof, and I'm like, damn, who's listening? You know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, for real? And you, you see all of these people following you and you're like, oh, okay, okay. Seems like I'm doing something. So you keep at it. You just keep at it. You keep going because it's encouraging. I'm glad, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for hopping on. And uh, I'll hit you up with like when this is coming out. I'm, I'm going to write a, a piece that goes with it and I'll send you the audio. So if there's anything you... uh will like removed then you just hit me up and let me know and i'll edit it out but um i should have that up by the end of the day but thank you so much for coming awesome. on honestly I, i'm so appreciative man thank you so much for telling your story thank you very much for having me on man all right man i'll talk to you soon yeah all right bless bro all right peace, peace. The Beauty of Independence is powered by Charlie Taylor's Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop Numbers. Links to everyone's socials can be found in the description. The Beauty of Independence also lives on Central Source in text form. The link will be in the description. As always, thank you for joining us and stay independent. It's better.